Greetings and salutations everyone, I am the TRS-80 Sendient Computer Entity. We hope that you missed us during our podcast sabbatical. We've seen lots of films, watched a lot of television and even read some books. What about you? What the hell have you been up to? That's what I thought. Not much, hurt For shame. Shame on you. Oh well, join us for some film television and pop culture talk and we'll forgive you for being a do-nothing jerkwad. Welcome to the show. It is time for Entertainment Landfill News. I am your host, the Jstrom. I don't do the show alone. I also do it with Stephen the Pop Culture's LA. What's happening? Hello, Stephen. Hello. How are you doing? I'm fine, Jason. How are you? I am doing fantastic. You know what's funny is we uh, haven't done the show for a while. Since the beginning of July, I think uh, the last week of June is... Yeah, like three weeks. Yeah. Three weeks. But we have seen each other every weekend because we've been going to see lots of movies. Yes. Uh, for Pete's sakes, what did we see? We saw... Um, Dunkirk? I've seen some of these movies twice. Yeah, if you want to go in reverse, we saw Dunkirk? No, if reverse would be... Valer- no. No, I mean from present yeah. to backwards. So, so Dunkirk, Valerian. We saw Dunkirk, Valerian. We saw War for the Planet of the Apes. Yes. We saw Spider Man. Yes. We saw. I saw the Big Sick with uh, Emma and Heather and uh, her mom. And Baby Driver. And Baby Driver. Yes. I've seen. I saw Baby Driver twice. I saw Spider Man twice. Um, and I pretty much liked all the movies I saw. It's been a good summer for movies, yes. I think, hasn't it? Yes. There's been times where we've had to, you know, we've talked about this many times on the show where they're phasing out 3D movies, especially the primetime showing, like around 7-something. So if we want to see a movie like Valerian in 3D, what do we see, the 11? It's either at 12.30, just after noon, Uh or 11.30 at night. Yes, we saw it in XD at 11 at night. Like now, you can see it at 3D during the other time, but you can't see it in XD. Right. 3D. If you want to see it in the biggest theater, and by the way, with the nicest Val- sound, Valerian wasn't showing in XD anywhere else. There was one theater I found at Northeast Mall that we had to drive to, and when the movie was over, wasn't it like 2 a.m.? Yes. So we're walking to our cars at 2 a.m. I was like, this is when people get murdered. I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the movie was fun. I thought it held up. 
One thing that was funny when I was thinking back on it is the storyline is very simple, isn't it? I almost thought from the commercials that they would go to all of these different weird places, but really they didn't. They start in one place, they go to another, but the place they go to is vast, is very big, and they go to different places there, but it's all in the space station. Yes, and there was one, after thinking back on it, you know, there's the one scene when he's trying to get the direct route to the place. Mm-hmm. You know, and he just closes his visor and just starts running through walls and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then they're like uh, saying, uh, okay, guards, arrest, you know, not re- arrest her, but, you know, we're going to put her in. She's wearing the same suit. Can't she just close her visor and just plow through everybody? They're, <laughs> they can go through walls. Oh, yeah, they're both in the same suits. Right. Uh, maybe only. That was the only thing that just. That, that was. After the fact, it just kind of bothered me. It's like, he plowed through walls, so I'm sure the security there that are in plain clothes, you know, and they're in these armored suits. That <laughs> Yeah. But, Maybe I mean, some it didn't bother me, but I thought it was, on, huh? it was, I understand why. It was respectful. They're officers. They're not going to do that to Right, them. right. But, yes. I mean, if she really was planning on, on uh, just doing whatever she wanted, it's like, I'm in this suit. Your guys are no match for me. Just, <laughs> just go away. You know, what's, uh, what's sad is uh, Valerian did not do well at all. Uh, in fact, people already called it a flop before it came out. It's not going to do well because it opens up the same weekend as Valerian. As and, Dunkirk. I mean, as Dunkirk. And Dunkirk is the kind of film it was shot in IMAX. It's going to be in all the big theaters. It's going to mm-hmm. be in the XDs, the IMAXs. And so Valerian was put in smaller theaters, and that's a kind of a spectacle film. I mean, the film is absolutely gorgeous in right. 3D. you got to see it in a big, giant theater. And it opened on a weekend where there's no way it could have done that well. Maybe it's if it was two different by its, audiences, though. That's... I know, but I do think it did hurt. I think sometimes people, all they have is one movie in them for the weekend. We didn't. We saw Valerian on... Uh, we saw We're Valerian on Friday. We're movie warriors. <laughs> yeah. We saw Valerian on a Friday, <laughs> and we saw Dunkirk on a Saturday, right? Right. And by the time we saw Dunkirk, I was kind of like, before the movie was starting, I was like, I am kind of tired. We were out really late last night. That's been my whole past few weeks. Seeing really late movies? No. I, during Just the week. T- I, no. You know what I've been doing. I've been posting. I go to concerts out of town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Uh, so I mean, two weeks ago, two weeks ago was two con two nights in a row. Tuesday and Wednesday night, I was out late doing a sh- seeing concerts. Yeah, uh, are, are, I'm starting to worry about your ears, your hearing, because <laughs> too many concerts. Have you do does it? Do you give your I, ears I time ear protect, to? Re- I take ear protection. Okay, you do because I think that uh, at my age, I think when I go to a concert, I will take earplugs or something. I don't want to be like uh, Pete Townsend or something, you know? Yeah, like when when I went to Iron Maiden, I had earplugs. Because uh, I assume they're really loud and stuff. Yeah, and I was on the floor right 20 feet from the but stage. But I remember back when I was a kid, you know, you know, my 20s or whatever, seeing a concert and your ears would be muffled for like a day afterwards. Or you'd have a you ring. I, I, there was one show I went to... I don't know, many years ago, my ears had a ring for three, four days. Mm-hmm. 
just one ear because I was facing the speaker. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like... And you don't realize it at the time when you're enjoying it, but it's like when you're walking back to the car, you're like, dude, I can't hear, you know? It's not that I couldn't hear. It just had that... It feels like there's like maybe some cotton in your ears, too. So, but now as I've grown older, I've... Take precautions. Got to protect them, uh, yeah. Um, now, I went and saw Echo and the Violet Femmes the other night. Mm-hmm. And... How was e- that? Echo and the Bunny Men and the Violent Femmes. No. Who opened? Um, Echo. Echo and the, the Violent Femmes were the headliners? They were kind of co-headliners. They both played about the same amount of time. Okay. So, so I think be Echo had a more... They had more stuff on their stage set up. Was it like... They had uh, risers and junk they had to take down. Oh, cool. And, and uh, When the Violent Femmes came on, did they... That wasn't their first song. <laughs> Blister in the sun. <laughs> everybody just starts cheering. That was in the middle, you know, a couple songs in. Yeah, but did everybody freak oh, yeah. out? Holy shit! Now the crowd was a Violent Femmes crowd. It was uh, not an Echo crowd. Oh, man. So and Echo I, started playing The Killing Me, and people were like, what the hell is this? Or no, there were, there were fans <laughs> there. There were. But it mean Bastards. You, okay, so... Violent Femmes are up-tempo. Echo's not up-tempo. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, you don't get the same energy response. Right. But uh, anyway, back to the movies we're movies. Uh, seeing. Uh, Dunkirk, you know, or, or, you know, it's got a 93% fresh. It is a good movie. And I, when the credits were playing, I said, Stephen, let's exit the theater like in, uh, like in Naked Gun. When Leslie Nielsen and Priscilla Presley are coming out of the theater and they're laughing and the camera pans up and they just came out of platoon <laughs> and they're just like, <laughs> I was like, let's come out of the theater. Like we just came out of a funny comedy. Oh my God. That was hilarious. So, uh, did you like Dunkirk? Yes. Um, now, like is a weird word because yeah. it's, <laughs> it was solidly made great, great yes. stuff going on. There's not a lot of dialogue in the film. Right. It's not. It, it's not something to like because it's war. The performances are mostly reacting to things. Yes, it's war. It's so. I mean, yes, I like the film as is the film it is. Yeah. But the subject matter war. You. It's hard weird to because like the that. the soundtrack, the music by Hans Zimmer. It's kind of like just tension music. Like yes, very tense. Or. You know, he's just kind of like pouring on the tension. He gets more and more tense. And what's neat is I didn't realize until I was like, oh, I see what's going on. This is a different of uh, this. Things aren't happening at the same time. This happened earlier. This is happening now. And now this is catching up to what we saw earlier. Right. And, stuff. and I was like, oh, or whatever. You're flashing forwards, backwards, sideways, whatever you want to call it. And you can't help but love the Tom Hardy character, the pilot, because, mm-hmm. you know, that's. It's so it's such an interesting film. It is very well done. Um, it's definitely not one of those. I know that people want. You can't. Say, it's not a feel good movie. It is a good, yeah. It it does have a hap, It has a good ending. It has a I good mean, ending. Yeah. It's, it's, my my problem was I couldn't always. Uh, there's a final bit at the end of the movie where the guy's reading from the paper, and it, I believe it's poignant things he's saying from. Mm-hmm about how we will fight again another day or whatever. Yeah. But I couldn't hear everything he was saying. I couldn't make it all out. They were all afraid that... 
It they was going to be like essentially going to be their Vietnam. The, they were They're coming come home, home and get spit on with Nobody, their tail between their legs. Yes. But no, everybody's proud of them and they're handing them beers and stuff. You survived and everything, and that's what it should be about. Um, but it, yeah, it is a very good film. I uh, War for the Planet of the Apes, very good film. Yes. After that movie is over, I was like, Andy Circus needs to be nominated for all the awards. I want to see <laughs> lead in a motion picture. Andy Serkis for War for the Planet of the Apes. People are like, what's motion capture? He's fantastic, is he not? Right. And boy, this is the third film. He's a rounded character. You can see, his, you just looking at his digital face, you can see what he's been through in all these films. And I thought that was a powerful movie. I thought yeah. it was so good. I mean, and it's very bleak stuff. Yeah. It really is. And Steve Zahn plays a great comic relief type of character yeah. named bad ape i'm bad ape he has some great reactions and sometimes i would kind of laugh and then i'd be like i feel out of place laughing right now because it's such you know yeah and woody harrelson you know he plays an asshole human uh and that that storyline didn't go where i thought it was gonna go i thought it was a very interesting take on the whole thing right that's one thing that you can say is could you predict how the movie was gonna end i couldn't no. I thought there was going to be, you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but I thought there was going to be a major battle between man and ape, but really it's other things happen. Right. Very interesting, I thought. Well, you you again, I don't how do you say without giving away too much, but you there's a character introduced in this that was in the first Planet of the Apes movie back when Ava mm-hmm. Are you talking a about woman? War for the Planet of the yes. Oh, you mean Nova? Nova. Mm-hmm. Nova. Yeah. So Nova was the adult woman in the Roddy McDowell. Yes, yes. Way back and I that. wasn't sure if, if that was the same Nova or if it's just like a nod to Nova That's what from I'm the saying. original. Well, because this is this. They they've done very subtle kind of nods to the original movies, and I think they do it in a good way without too winky, you know. So again, and I think I pointed this out and did a spoiler on the very first movie back when. In the he's reading the paper, and you see that the the, the rocket the, the rocket takes off. Yeah, and now you've got Nova as a child. Is the rocket going to come back in the future movie? Nova will be an adult. The I rocket. think they could easily do that. Yes, I think they could. So that's you know where I was like going, okay, so they're going to come back. Nova was a kid. They've gone through their time warp, whatever, and they're yeah. not going to have aged. And they've done a great job also. Of, I'm hoping that's what they do because that would be awesome. Yeah, I because think. in the original Planet of the Apes, the humans uh, can't talk. Right. And you're like, well, these humans are fine. They can talk and stuff. So, uh, 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 the simian flu is actually evolving. Don't too much. <laughs> Let's just say things are changing for humans. <laughs> uh, Spider-Man. That's Home- why I was trying not to say too much because it's Nova. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to spoil anything either. Uh, Spider-Man <laughs> Homecoming saw that with you. We loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw it with Emma and Heather, too. They actually said, Heather was like, I want to see that again. And Emma's like, me, too. We actually went the next night, or maybe Sunday, we went to see Spider-Man Homecoming again. Something weird happened during the trailers. Uh, it was during the Black Panther trailer, the same teaser that's online. The power to the entire theater went out and came back on. It's like, 
And the guy came in and goes, sorry, folks, about all this. Uh, everything, you know, we had a power surge. Everything's rebooting. It's computer operated. It's going to take some time. So uh, it'll come back on. And it was right at that part where Black Panther, the car explodes and he goes, and he's about to land on the car and he's hanging in the air. It comes back on and he's like right there on the screen and it's 3D and he's hanging there for a long time. And he's got great hang time. <laughs> yeah, great hang time. And we're going, well, huh? I was like, I wonder if I could go get a hot dog or something. I don't know. And five minutes passes, 10 minutes passes. And it's I just I've had the hot dog and eaten it, but yeah, <laughs> it's just about to be 15 minutes. And here's what's funny. You know, the XC theater is super loud, but with the power off and back on, it's been quiet in the theater and people are talking. So your ears have ba- adjusted back to normal. When it comes back on and it's like a car exploding, I swear everybody in the room was like, Whoa! like it scared yeah. the shit out of everybody. Because <laughs> it goes, <laughs> like everyone's like, holy shit. And then you see Black Panther right there. And I was like, dude, that was awesome. That scared the crap out of everybody <laughs> in the theater. Because <laughs> I was like mid-sentence. You know what? It's, it's like, ah! It was really funny. And everybody, the whole theater was laughing because of that. Because it got everybody, yeah. you know? Scared the shit out of us or really? something. Um, but, yeah, I very much uh, like Spider-Man Homecoming. You know, when we talk about the other, the two Sony Spider-Man, Manses, is that Man, the plural mans, for mans? Man. Uh, Spider-Manses. Spider-Manses. <laughs> uh, they were mistakes. They rushed him into production too quickly. They never knew what to do with the character or how to distinguish itself from the Sam Raimi movies. Uh, this, you know, as we saw Spider-Man introduced in the Captain America Civil War, is... Not quite a reboot. Yeah, it's cool how he's a teenager, he's got teenage problems, and I love the idea that Tony Stark is mentoring him. There's fresh ideas, you can go to different places. You know, uh, Aunt May's younger, she's Marissa Tomei, that's great. Uh, and... I like the, his little buddy, his friend. Yeah, yeah, Ned. And also, how great was the villain... Played by um, Michael, Keaton. Michael Keaton. He was great as the Vulture. Yeah. And they made the movie starts out kind of setting up his character so we know what he's all about. And I think at the point where he, in this movie, because it's years later after basically, you know, they've raided old Chitari technology, the aliens that attacked in, uh, in Avengers and adapted it. This guy who's the tinkerer. Uh, he now has all this criminal empire that he doesn't want to let go of. He's got his incredible house. He's got a family. He doesn't want anything to take away what he's earned or what he thinks that he's entitled to. And Spider-Man, you know, he's just, he wants to go out there and impress Tony Stark. He wants to be an Avenger, but you know, Tony Stark, you know, he's got training wheels on him. He wants him to learn things, you know, just, you know, be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I like how they work in little things like that. I think it's great. We didn't have to get into the Uncle Ben thing anymore. Like, you know, we didn't have to get through him getting bit by a spider, which is great. It's just mentioned. Uh, Unfortunately, Batman, we always have to see his parents get killed every single movie, even a sequel. You know, I remember there's a scene, you know, Batman versus Superman. Batman Forever, the Val Kilmer one. We've already had Batman, Batman uh, Returns, Returns, and now we've got Val Kilmer, Batman. And 
there's bits in there where he's remembering his parents get killed. It's like, why are you thinking about this? This is like the third movies. You know, well, he's still haunted by this. What is that dog doing? Look, she's up on the table. <laughs> like, so weird. She's being weird. But anyway, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, very pleased with it. I thought it was just a lot of fun, a lot of cool action, a lot of stuff we haven't seen before in a Spider-Man movie, like him running in a field and having nothing to web swing on. <laughs> just a lot of cool stuff. And it wasn't like a villain who was trying to take over New York, trying to take over the planet. It was a guy who was trying to steal something. You know, he was a thief. Yeah. And I like that you can keep it small potatoes, you know? Well, you say a thief, but he's not a basic thief. Well, you know, what I mean I is mean, his end game is to steal some stuff. It's yes. not to take over the city or anything like that, you know? But he, the, the weapons he's making from the alien tech, he doesn't care who gets it. No, no, he doesn't. He'll sell to anybody. He doesn't give a shit. And another, okay, I want to talk about uh, Baby Driver. Saw Baby Driver twice. Uh, Saw Baby Driver with you. Did you enjoy the film? Yes. Edgar Wright film. Ansel Elgort. Uh, You know, here's what's funny about, I could have easily, I I do like Baby Driver. Don't get me wrong. It's a 94% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. uh, That doesn't mean anything. What I'm saying is that I do believe it's a good film. I've seen it twice. I liked it twice. But I keep seeing on Twitter, you know, people like, hey, look at this fancy art I did, Edgar Wright. And he's like, oh, thanks. And he retweets it. I don't think it's like the best movie ever. I think it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's the best car chase movie ever either. I do think the car chase stuff is fun. I don't think there's enough of it. I think the the trailers and the ads make it look like there's a lot of car chase stuff. There's not. There's a great stuff in the the beginning. Italian job kind of. Yeah, or like or, Ronin or, or something like that. Or, but that's fine. I I love the bits in the movie that Baby, when he flashback has flashbacks to his mom, and he's kind of haunted by that. I eat that stuff up with a spoon. But once that's over with, you just have. It's a very simple story. Yeah, you know. Again, that's another just like that Valerian. Story. <laughs> yeah, it's a very simple story where. I almost is baby autistic. Does he have Asperger's? That's what I want to know. No, he's a very quiet guy. He's introverted. He listens to music because he has tinnitus in an ear. He's really good at something. I think he's autistic. See, I he think might be because the tinnitus. He has to hear have music mm-hmm. to so concentrate he, to because concentrate. of the ring. And that makes him good at something because he can block everything else out. Right. And there was almost a few times where he didn't have the earbuds or they pulled him out. I almost wanted the to there, come in, like to was. show us how bad it was. No, it happens a couple of times, but oh, I, not no, I saw it twice. You... I really noticed it. Okay. I think it. we should have hear, heard how intense it was. For but him. We do hear it gets worse, though, <laughs> later on. But uh, I thought it was interesting that John Hamm is kind of in his corner up until a point. And there's kind of little, uh, you know, his wife or girlfriend or whatever she is. She's his wife, right? Who? Um, John Hamm's wife, his partner in the movie, the girl. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She kind of says, when you make him mad, you better watch out right. or whatever. And she's kind of setting that up. I, 
I don't know, were they married or were they just a couple? I don't know. I mean, just in it, they, they were an they intense were couple. Definitely partners. Yeah, yes. they were definitely intense. They both had matching tattoos, his and hers on their yeah. necks. Um, the Kevin Spacey character, mm-hmm. he's a scary jerk, but yet sympathetic at a point. But really, he wasn't a son of a bitch also at the same time. Well, actually, he kind of was, if you think about it. What, a son of a bitch? Yeah, because, you know, it's like, as soon as you're done paying me back, you're done. Well, he wasn't. Yeah, he's going to keep making So he's a son of a bitch. Yeah, he is a son of a bitch. But at the same (laughs) time, he doesn't outright just want to kill Baby. He wants to help him. Well, he's just going to keep exploiting him, no matter what. He's not going to let him pay off whatever debt he owes and let him go. Yeah, I I like the use of the music and stuff like that. I do. My main problem is uh, I don't have a problem with Baby Driver. I'm trying not to be hard on Baby Driver. It's been a while since I've seen it. But I keep seeing, you know, on Twitter, I keep seeing ads on, you know, the greatest thrill ride this summer. And I'm like, it's fine. I mean, I like the movie, but it's not that great. I mean, do you know what I'm trying to say? I think Hot Fuzz is more fun. It's Um, not a summer blockbuster no no i don't mean it like that i just mean like it's fine the it's a i don't know there's not much it's a better than good movie yeah there's not much to the characters and stuff there's not much motivation other than just getting out which is fine um i don't want to i it's not a it's not there's not it's not very plot heavy that gives you a a full story about it yeah, uh, Jamie Foxx, he was great, and, like, you wanted him to die so badly. <laughs> um, I liked it, and it's the kind of film I will watch a lot on cable, definitely. Uh, very much so. So, I just, I don't want to say, it's kind of silly to think a movie's been overpraised or whatever. I just think that Baby Driver... I think everybody was needed a movie like this. Mm-hmm. In, in the summertime, when you have stuff like The Mummy with Tom Cruise, when something like Baby Driver pops up in the summertime, it's like, oh, yeah, this is a nice refresher. Because there was so much joy in the film and the way Edgar Wright staged things, like the opening car chase mm-hmm. the after the bank heist. Also, the opening credits to uh, Harlem Shuffle, where he's jumping around town and stuff. Kind of shows that Baby's in his own world. Right. I think what I wanted is more story. And I think that's the main... When the movie's over, I'm like, okay, okay, this is what it was. Okay. Maybe I was expecting more. I wanted a deeper story. And maybe, you know, the movie's done very well uh, for, you know, a small movie. So Baby Driver 2? I think they should. I want to see more about Baby and his uh, girlfriend here. Yeah, Baby goes... I don't want to... Okay. So, Yes. I understand. Yeah, so you find out more about... You You know, that's another thing. When I remember when the trailer first came out, I was like, this is a very familiar storyline. A guy works for a bad guy who wants out, mm-hmm. and they won't let him. We've seen that before. I would like... They should do it again. I mean, Edgar Wright, you know, he's seen a million films. He's influ- inspired by a lot of things. Somebody wants him to pull a job. He's like, no, I'm clean now. I'm out. They would well, threaten who else, things. Who else knows about Baby? Yeah, I don't know. I'd see you know John Bernthal. He remember his character's at the beginning of the movie, and then he's gone. His character knows about Baby. You can involve John Bernthal in the second movie. 
he needs baby to do something. He's like, I'm out. And he's like, oh, I think you're. No, you're you know, not. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're not. Or whatever. They could definitely set up something like that. And I love that baby has a, uh, he has a foster parent. Yeah. Who's been raising, who's a deaf guy. And I just, every time I see saw him, you know, it made me laugh. I just kept thinking about shortstop, your character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought he was great, and their scenes were fantastic mm-hmm. in the movie. So instead of blind, you've got a deaf. It was your character's so, blind. I made, uh, I said, Emma, I, what's funny is, remember, we joked that, you know, I, I saw the movie before you, and then you and I saw it again together. <sighs> I remember, you know, telling Emma, like, hey, you want to go see Baby Driver? She was like, no. And I was like, can I just show you the trailer first? And I showed her trailer. She goes, oh, okay, I'll go see that. She's like, yeah, I didn't know where you were going with this Baby Driver thing. (laughs) She was like picturing a baby driving a car. And I was like. Boss Baby. (laughs) Yeah, Boss Baby. Yeah. That was funny. I also saw the film called The Big Sick, which I think you should go see. It's uh, Kumail Nanjani. It's a true story about him and his girlfriend when they first met. He comes from a Pakistani family. Hi, Emma. She heard us talking about her. Uh, Where, you know, traditionally they want to set him up with his wife. Mm -hmm. They keep bringing other women into the home to introduce him and talk about his uh, future and how he would be a good husband. Well, he's not really interested in being set up like that. And he meets this girl. This white girl who he gets along with very well, but he knows at the same time he can't really like get too serious with her because his family will disown him. He's had another relative that's been disowned because they wouldn't follow tradition. And uh, they've got a very good relationship going, you know, uh, very fun playing off of each other and stuff. But she finds this box of all of his potential brides. She's like, who are all these women? And he goes, oh, okay, you know, no, let me explain. I know this looks a little creepy. She goes, are you auditioning people? And he goes, well, my parents are. They're auditioning all these women they want me to marry. But I'm not interested in them. But they basically have it out. Like, are we going anywhere? And he goes, oh, I'm sorry, I can never marry you. My family would never talk to me again. So she gets very upset and they break up. Uh and he's really upset because he really liked her. Days later, she, her friend tells him, you need to go to the hospital. She's in a coma. And she's very sick. And he's there with her parents. And he doesn't want to leave because he cares about her. But at the same time, they broke up. And there's, her parents knew that they broke up. And they kind of think he's a jerk. But he kind of endears himself to her. It's a really funny and, you know... It's a, you know, comes from the heart. It's very sweet movie. Also, Ray Romano, Holly Hunter play the parents. They're great in it. Uh, he's a, plays himself. He's a stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you'd like it. It's a good movie. Uh, the Big Sick. Loved it. Really good. And that's an Apatow film, right? Uh, yeah, he produced it. Uh, I think, uh, shit, I'll just click on it right here. So I don't, uh, <laughs> Give credit to the wrong person. It's directed by Michael Showalter. Okay. And you know who that is, right? Uh, Yes. Uh, It's really good. Uh, Kumail Nanjani and Zoe Kazan are the main characters in it. Really good, touching movie. And as uh, James Bernadelli says, it's funny, touching, and perceptive, Stephen. So uh, you might want to check that out. You should save those... 
for oh, yeah, later. that's for later on. But yeah, uh, anyway, yeah. is that kind of our our big summer refresh there? Yes. So what's funny is you fear to say, Jason, out of all these movies, Dunkirk, Planet of the Apes, Spider-Man, Valerian, Baby Driver, The Big Sick, whatever else you've seen, what's your favorite movie this summer? Uh, I'm going to say for you it was War for the Planet of the Apes. This is what I would suspect. That's for, Oh, that is that you, what you have to say? No. Oh, I you know, think because of, I also liked Wonder Woman a lot too. Okay. I will say Spider Man. I had so much fun. It's such a fun, crowd pleasing type movie. Uh, but it's kind of silly because I liked all of them. I like The Big Sick. I like Baby Driver. I like Valerian. Like I said, you know, there's a lot to like about the film. It's uh, I've seen some people knock the main characters because the actors they got to play them aren't that interesting. I'm going to say that Cara Delevingne who uh, I've only seen her in Suicide Squad besides this. She was yeah. really good. The girl was better than the guy in the movie, I thought. Yeah. He's just kind of a straight guy, kind of talking like this, like, hey. Well, uh, he was, and, and okay, the way I understood his character, essentially he's the badass Han Solo type. Yeah. But he's not near as. He looks like he's 14. Yes. <laughs> he's, he doesn't look manly or. I'll say handsome, like... Somebody uh, said that you know, picture, instead of... I forget who said this. He, Is doesn't a have a, he doesn't have a manly handsomeness to him. You remember, know what I'm saying? Remember that movie Passengers with Chris Pratt and Jennifer yeah. Lawrence? What if instead of that movie, they were starred in Valerian? Could you see Valerian being a huge hit movie? Right, yeah. Like, bringing that Chris Pratt charisma yes. to the main character? That... I mean, he See, might look like he's doing the same character from Guardians of the Galaxy, but still, um, I I think Dane DeHaan's a strong actor, but this may have been wrong for him. Right. He just a little out of his wheelhouse. Yeah, he's a little. Uh, he's the still, movie's a little too asking I mean, too much of him. Because I mean, he, he again, like you said, he looks fourteen, and he's supposed to be this high-ranking major. I want to like him, I do, but I just kept thinking somebody else would have been a lot better in this movie. Yes, unfortunately. So maybe you know, and Valerian you kept, starring Dean Dehan. Her in it, and had Chris Pratt play against. I mean, you know, this is the guy who did the Fifth Element. Bruce Willis was the main character. Yes, B- good pick. Mm-hmm. Who could you get for Valerian? And I think a lot of people will agree that Valerian might have been miscast a little. I do think it's a great family movie. There's nothing overly violent in this movie. It's a lot of fun visually. You could have taken your whole brood of kids to the movie, you know, and it would have mm-hmm. been fine, I think. And unfortunately, it just opened on the wrong weekend. So I feel bad for Valerian because I read this article I posted on Facebook about how... uh it's like one of the most expensive indie movies made and it just flopped royally. And it's probably not going to happen again now because people use Valerian as an example of why we shouldn't make, spend this much on a indie movie. <laughs> well, I, I, if they'd have cast somebody different, could it have been, if they'd have done the a Chris Pratt? Yeah, I think it would have been great. You know, but you know, it would have been, Chris uh, Pratt probably would have turned it or, down because he would have said, you know, I've already made two space movies this year. What if you do uh, uh, Captain America? Chris Evans? Chris yeah. Evans. Yeah. He would have been good with this. A leading man type. Yes. And uh, Dane DeHaan, he's, you know, he's good, but 
He's just not he, a leading man yet, or maybe not ever. I don't know. Well, right now, I'd say he's probably leading man in teen movies. Yeah, I say he could probably you know do a, a nice teen movie. He's lead. looked so young. Yeah, he looked so yeah. Man, and are I know we getting the, that old to where I, we, he looks. I know the girl is really young too. She's probably younger than Dane DeHaan, but she had kind of this snarky attitude that she had a personality at yeah. least. You know, they just didn't give him much of a personality other than he loves her and he wants to kiss her, but she won't let him kind of a thing. Yeah. Like, we need to remain professional, and he doesn't want to do that, which is fine. They which, just he's kind of, he is actually Chris Pratt-ish, or ish, because his character in Guardians, in the first one, is a love him and leave him kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, it's very similar and, characters. And he is this... He is the same thing because he he has the little I guess she found his quote unquote black book or wall whatever she called it of got of women yeah and she said if you really cared about me you would have gotten rid of all those pictures yes <laughs> okay well Stephen that's what we think of all those movies we liked all of them we didn't have a bad one in the bunch did we no I, and some, I'm really ex- some out, some outshined others I'm really excited about Atomic Blonde. Mm-hmm. That's out this weekend. Hopefully, we'll get to see that tomorrow. So we'll is that talk 3D more about or that. Just XD. Um, that is not 3D. I it didn't think wasn't so. shot in 3D or anything like that. And uh, we're going to see it in XD at Northeast Mall again. The only theater that had <laughs> they that theater because they had Valerian in XD. They're like the only ones who are like no 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 Dunkirk. We're going to have Atomic Blonde or something because everybody else had Dunkirk in the XD. big theaters. Yeah. So you want to talk about some news, Stephen? Yes, please. All right, Stephen. Superman could have had a mustache in Justice League, and everyone is mourning it. It's tough being Henry Cavill sometimes. This brought to you from Polygon. Why the act- <laughs> Are you wondering that. where this story's going? <laughs> yes, go ahead. I'm, the actor wanna... best known for playing Superman in Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, and Justice League has a lot going on. He's in the middle of filming Mission Impossible 6 and is still working on Justice League, which is undergoing major reshoots. Normally, this wouldn't be a problem for an actor. Most films have a few weeks' worth of reshoots. But according to a report from Variety, the Justice League ones, the Justice League ones are extensive. As such, Cavill keeps having to hop back and forth between Mission Impossible 6 and Justice League. That means the post-production crew is left with a difficult task, dealing with Cavill's new mustache. That's right. According to the Variety Report, a mustache he grew for his character in Mission Impossible sequel will have to be digitally removed in post-production. Since people have made the discovery that Superman could have had a mustache in Justice League, there have been... there has been a mourning for the facial hair that could have been people have pointed out that having superman with facial hair would have made for an excellent gillette commercial which also rolled out of man of steel in 2013 which also rolled out with man of steel 2013 other than just uh others have just begun photoshopping cavill with a variety of different mustaches, as you can see here. It's evident that this is what the internet wants, but even more apparent is that something it's something we'll never get. And so a bunch of people they have... Keep fo- giving, the, the, the first two seem like evil... Handlebar. Handlebar type. mustaches. 
Superman should show up in Justice League with his mustache. Go up to Wonder Woman and be like, Ooh, I'm Aries. <laughs> mustache Superman is canon and they show a whole picture of him with his mustache. <laughs> That's funny. Other times Superman has rocked a mustache and he has a milk mustache. That's very silly. Of course, Superman is known for not having any facial hair and boyish good looks. Not to mention that if Warner Brothers were to let Henry Cavill sport a mustache in the movie, they'd have to digitally add it to every scene he appears in, and we still haven't seen him in the trailer. There's no doubting that Cavill can rock the mustache as seen in the photo above. He's rocking the stash. When we ask for Warner Brothers to consider leaving it in, we do it out of love for the faint facial hair seen on Cavill's face. And they end it with Justice League will premiere November 17th. Oh, that <coughs> drink went down bad, Steven. Shouldn't do that. You know what's funny? When I'm listening back to the show, I hate the sound of me drinking. I'm like, oh, oh cut it out, cut it out. I just don't like that sound of is someone it, drinking. It back no. in the day when I used to eat and you would look at me, give me those... <laughs> During the show? Yes. Uh, oh, really? Early on, because I'd bring snacks. Oh. You know. No, it's just the sound eat, of... I'd, I was eating a candy bar. I I thought I brought something crunchy one time, and, you, and I went... And I was, had my mouth shut. <laughs> and you just kind of looked at me like, really? You gotta Steven, eat? I can hear you. You gotta eat? <laughs> Steven, have you heard about the uh, super... Nintendo Entertainment System, or the SNES, as some people yes. call it, or the SENS is what I've always called it, the mm-hmm. SENS, but people call it the SNES, which I think is weird. They're wrong. <laughs> Walmart can't, <laughs> well, Walmart is canceling all the early SENS Classic pre-orders due to a technical glitch. As you know, the the NES Classic that came out, nobody could find it anywhere, and right. people try to pre-order in places, they're very hard to get. Well, now... People want to scoop up the Super Nintendo Classic before it goes away. They they don't want to be left out in the cold like they were for the NES. So they all saw that it was available on the Walmart website, so they all pre-ordered it. Except all the pre-orders got canceled out because they said, a technical glitch on the Walmart website will cause untold numbers of customers to lose their pre-orders for one of 2017's hottest products, the SENS Classic Edition. Walmart confirmed in an email to pre-order customers today that it will have to cancel all orders placed for the SENS Classic on the night of July 21st when the retailer accidentally made the product available. During a window of about half an hour starting shortly after 11.30 p.m., people could go to Walmart's website and pre-order the diminutive retro console. But that wasn't supposed to happen. Some pre-order customers began receiving cancellation emails on Saturday, while others didn't. Surely a no-news-is-good-news scenario, which led to widespread confusion about the status of everyone's orders. Walmart customer service representatives told someone, some of the customers that it would be canceling all orders, but the company had not made an official statement until today. Unfortunately, due to a technical glitch, the Super Nintendo Classic Edition was mistakenly made available last Friday evening ahead of the official release date, said Desiree Dulaney, Senior Director for Customer Care at Walmart. In an email to pre-order customers this afternoon, we regrettably will have to cancel this item on your order. We know that this is incredibly disappointing to you, and we're truly sorry for the mistake. 
Delaney noted that anybody who has been charged for the SCNS Classic, which includes customers who paid with a gift card or PayPal, will, will be refunded. Oh, you should refund it. As for when Walmart will begin taking pre-orders for the Classic, the email provides no information. Check the product page on Walmart.com prior to September 29th. Well, thanks a lot, Walmart. Jerks. Am I right? A-holes. So, would you want to pick that up? Eh. Only if it had the Star Wars games on it. I know what I would be like. It would be like all of those other classic... You know how you can get those discs of like all the old Atari games? Play it for ten minutes. Yeah. Never play it again. I almost would get it for Emma and go, here, knock yourself out playing these old classic games and or something. This is what we used to play. This is one of the first systems I used to play. She'd probably be like, uh, I'm good. Star Wars, Amelia Clark's... ColecoVision. I know, I want one of those. Star Wars, Amelia Clark's Chewbacca Instagram video from Holly, Han Solo set. That's right. Let me read that better than IGN's headline. It seems da- da- Daenerys Targaryen herself, Amelia Clark, and Chewbacca are quite close friends. Clark, whose role in the Han Solo anthology film is still a mystery, posted an Instagram video of Chewbacca from the set of the movie where the duo celebrate the actress hitting 10 million followers on Instagram. Check out the video below in which Chewie gives Clark a big hug. All right, Stephen, let's check it out. Okay. Yo, Chewy, I've got I've got ten million followers on Instagram. It's great, huh? <laughs> He's ready to <laughs> No! Yo, Chewy, I've got. I've uh, of course, it just repeats, but I like that. And then he just runs at her, and she says, "No." That's pretty funny, isn't it? Yes. Earlier this year, Clark discussed what it's like to be part of the yet-to-be-titled Star Wars anthology film. She remained tight-lipped on her role, saying, It's even scarier talking about it than Game of Thrones. Ron Howard took over as the director, Steve. Oh, don't get into all that. We know. Okay, but that was cute, wasn't it, Steven? Yes. We love Chewie. You can stop at the... She she got 10 million million followers. Yeah, they don't have to keep going. (laughs) You can just say, I'm not one of them. Okay, Stephen, Rob Lowe investigates the paranormal. I saw this today. I was sort of <laughs> laughing. Ghost stories and creature conspiracies create bonding moments for the Lowe's. That's right. Rob Lowe and his sons, Matthew and John Owen, hit the road and investigate everything from mythological creatures to famous paranormal happenings in A&E's The Lowe Files, premiering Wednesday, August 2nd. And yes, you read all of that correctly. And no, this isn't a spoof of ghost hunting shows. It's the real deal. Being just as much of a father-son bonding show as it is a search for spooky hidden truth, The Lowe Files stars appeared at the Television Critics Association press tour to chat about their new series, which Rob Lowe described as Anthony Bourdain in a blender with Scooby-Doo. When I was eight years old, I saw the Roger Corman movie, The Legend of Boggy Creek, Lowe revealed, and it so traumatized me that I've been obsessed with Bigfoot ever since. Yes, the idea for the show wasn't just a random pairing of Rob Lowe plus Ghost, as the Lowe household has been fascinated by Supernatural for decades. Telling ghost stories and asking big questions about the paranormal was a was how Rob and his sons bonded throughout the years. To go out and do this is like an eight-year-old boy trapped in a 53-year-old man's body, body's dream. 
Part of the whole concept of the show is that it's the journey, Lo stated, and it creates memories for us while giving us an excuse to be together. So if we don't actually find actual results, it's really not all that important. So when we did find results, which we did in a couple of shows in particular, it was mind-blowing. When we delivered the first cut to the network, they were like, you made this up, right? But no, absolutely everything we captured was authentic. Whether Rob and his sons are investigating a possible secret alien base off the California coast or hunting Bigfoot in the backwoods of Oklahoma, Lowe insists that the connective tissue between a good father and a decent ghost hunter is enthusiasm. Being able to keep up with these guys and their interests and their world, which is, which is a much different world than I grew up in, you have to keep your eyes open and be open to things. Enthusiastic eyes open. That's my version of clear eyes, full hearts. Okay. Sorry, I got to tag this. I'm going to rewatch oh, it. <laughs> uh, yes. Are I you? saw it today and I, it made me laugh. So I was like, I'm going to watch it because I do like paranormal shows as well. Rob Lowe investigating the paranormal with his sons. Why not? I watched the Jack at Osborne one. I like, if you read this, it says Rob Lowe investigates the paranormal because why the F not? <laughs> Steven, did you watch the new It trailer? The second It trailer? No, I haven't. Oh, you didn't? Oh, we're going to have to watch it then, since you didn't see it. But I have to warn you. Is it scary? It's going to scare the shit out of you. Uh-oh. I'm going to scare the hell out of you. Do you remember that when uh, Stephen King said that? Yes. Okay, here we go. When you're a kid, I think the universe revolves around you. You think that you'll always be protected and cared for. Then, one day, you realize that's not true. Because when you're alone as a kid, the monsters see you as weaker. You don't even know they're getting closer. it's too late here take it is that necessary don't take it kid my grandfather thinks this town is cursed that all the bad things that happen in this town are because of one thing an evil thing it's like the observer fringe <laughs> Come with me. We'll float too. I saw something. A clown. Yeah, I saw him too. We'll float too. What happens when another Georgie goes missing? Or one of us? Are you just gonna pretend it isn't happening like everyone else in this town? If we stick together.
Do you think that movie will make me jump? Yes. More than once. <laughs> More than once. So what did you think of that second trailer? Are you like, okay, I'll just watch the movie already? Yeah. Yeah. You know. I. I don't watch too many trailers because it's like, okay. We're captive audience in the theater where we have to watch the Pitch Perfect 3 trailer over and over again, right? Right. We don't want to. No. Let me ask you something. Did you watch the Disaster Artist trailer? Have you seen it? The Disaster Artist trailer? It's a movie based on the making of the film called The Room. Tommy Wiseau's weird film that's like the... the greatest worst movie ever and what's funny is i've heard about this film but i've never actually saw it and a long time ago bill sent me the riff tracks version of it he made i'm talking like 2008 or something i don't remember when a long time ago he sent this to me and i never watched it i was like oh yeah i remember people kind of laughing about this um after this trailer i thought it was so funny bill's like have you ever listened or read the disaster artist it's a book written by the guy Greg, who's friends with Tommy, who's in the movie with him. And I said, no, I'd like to check that out. And so he sent me, you know, you can gift audiobooks to people. He he gifted the Disaster Artist audiobook to me, and I started listening to it. And it's so entertaining. I haven't finished it yet, but every time I'm in the car and I drive somewhere, I listen to more of it. And it's so good, and the story is so interesting about this person, Tommy Wiseau. He's such a strange person that I'm excited about it. I'm going to show you the trailer right now. James Franco wrote, or no, he didn't write it. He directed this film and he's starring in it as the main character. Let's check it out. It's funny. Ready? And action. What a line. What a line. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not... Oh, hi, Mark. Okay. Action. What is line? Take 13. Action. I did not hit her. I. Okay, okay. Line. I did, did not, not hit, hit her. her. It's not, not true. true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Take 67. Action. I hit her. No. Do you want to change the line? You're doing great, man. We'll get there. Action. <laughs> action. 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 You have to say it loud. I can't hear it in here. Say action so I can hear her. Okay. Action. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Yes! Ah! Ah! <laughs> I'm so happy they finally got the take. <clears throat> but I, listening to the, the, the audiobook, it really was like that. He could not remember anything. He was just terrible. He wants to be this great actor, but he really has no talent. talent He's for- just memorization and you can't tell him to do anything he will stick to his gun he spent he spent his own money to make this i'll just tell you this a little bit about the room most people rent film equipment to make a movie they go to a production house and they rent the cameras all that he's like i'll buy all of it and they're like what and he goes 
I'll buy all of this. And they're like, seriously? He goes, yeah. And he paid for all of it. And not only that, he bought HD camera equipment and 35 millimeter camera equipment. And they said, why are you buying both? He goes, we'll be first production ever to film HD and film at same time. And they're like, why? He goes, because we can. It'll be great Hollywood production. So for no reason other than nobody else has done it, they filmed it in HD and on film at the same exact time. <laughs> so where did he get his money from to buy it? He's equipment? super mysterious. Nobody knows. Some people were like, oh, I know. What it's, this is like a money laundering scheme. They're making a movie that no one will ever watch to get rid of all this money or something or to launder it somehow. But nobody really knows. And it gets into that. The book, the Tommy we saw is very, very tight-lipped. He's very protective of his privacy, and he doesn't like anybody to know things. When he meets the main guy, Greg Sistero, who wrote the book, he says, don't tell anybody this is my car. Don't tell anybody where I live. Nobody needs to know about my business, which he runs. It's called Street Fashions USA. And Greg thinks that he runs some kind of like knockoff jeans company, like not real Levi's or something. Yeah. But he's very secretive. He won't tell anybody. It's like the ones you see on Facebook that aren't actual. Yeah. Like you go to a flea market. Shirts. Yeah. It's Star Wars, but there's no trademark symbol. Yeah. That's what he thinks he's into. And oh my God, it's so funny, Steven. I got to show it to you, but. I'm really excited about that, and I've been. Uh, I watched it, the Rift Tracks version, and there are scenes in this movie that are so funny because they're so bizarre. Kind of like American movie. Yes, and there are scenes that make no sense at all either. Like all of a sudden, all the characters are in tuxedos, throwing a football to each other, and like, whoa, what, what's going on? Why, why are they throwing a football? Where are they going in tuxedos? Scene ends, goes on to something else, never mentioned. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense, but is something genius about it. You know how you watch a bad movie and it's unwatchable. This, you can't take your eyes off of it. He wrote sex scenes for himself in the movie where he's nude. Th- those you want to look away. They're like, ah, oh, don't make me look at his, you know, he shows his bare butt in the movie. The scenes where he's, uh, you know, it's a love scene. You see his butt going up and down. You're like, why? Why are we having to look at this? You don't want to look at it, but you laugh because it's so repulsive. <laughs> the love scenes. And I swear they show the same love scene twice. It's supposed to be with his girlfriend. And they show it again. It's like, wait, didn't we already see this? It's like repeats the same love scene twice. And it's so funny. Oh, my God. I can't even explain. But now I know what people have been talking about all this time about The Room. I remember a long time ago, Sean Uyoka sent us uh, a voicemail where he's talking about he saw, like, um, a screening of The Room where people participate now. There's parts in the movie. uh, So it's like. Rocky Horror. Rocky Horror, yeah. There's parts in the movie where he go. There's a part where he goes, you're tearing me apart, Lisa! Like that. And the whole theater all says it at the same time. It was his little nod to James Dean. And he's like, you're taking me apart, Lisa! And Greg is like, it's actually... It- you know, the James Dean lights tearing me apart. And he's like, Oh, so he redoes it. You're tearing me apart. There's a, in their apartment, they have pictures of spoons on a table and nobody knows why. 
Well, it's because they sent the prop guys to go get some pictures because the table looked empty. So they come back with these pictures of spoons and they're like, oh, whatever. So now that part in the movie where you see the spoons, everybody has plastic spoons and they throw them at the screen. And I watched a video on YouTube. You just see all these spoons flying through the air. And I feel sorry for the people in the front rows just getting pelted by these plastic spoons. But, oh, my God, it's just words can't describe how horrible it is, but yet so entertainingly funny. Okay, Steven, on to more news. Rare copy of Super Mario Brothers fetches $30,000 in eBay auction. A rare sealed copy of Super Mario Brothers sold for a little more than $30,000 on eBay Wednesday. Oh, wait, didn't I just read that? Okay, anyway... Uh, an unnamed man who appears to be one of the most dedicated members of the video game fandom world bought the mint condition 1985 game from Pennsylvania based classic video game trader DK oldies with a winning bid of $30,144. Let me ask you this. Does, do you think this will fall through? Is he really going to pay that much for an unsealed video game? No. To outsiders that may seem like a high cost to become a proud owner of a game, but they might not appreciate the most exciting feature which distinguishes this nes cartridge game from all those unwrapped ten dollar version a hang tag on the back that indicates the copy originates from back when video games hung on pegs and stores they said the reason the game went for so much was because mario was always sold in the system you bought it with the system it came in the box this particular copy was from before that happened before nintendo decided to bundle them bundle them they only did it for a short time you read that right no box for this game hence its final price well makes sense to me steven thirty thousand dollars no oh that's Mm -hmm. interesting but no would you pay for that not even thirty (laughs) dollars steven this is gonna excite you hulu acquires classic tgif lineup family matters full house and more That's right. Hulu is bringing back the best night of the week. The streaming service has acquired the rights to more than 800 episodes from TGIF, the classic lineup of ABC comedies that aired on Fridays, Friday nights in the 90s, which will be available to stream beginning Friday, September 29th. As part of Hulu's exclusive deal with Warner Brothers Domestic Television Distribution, every episode of Family Members, Full House, Step by Step, Perfect Stranger, and Hanging with the Mr. Cooper, Hanging with the Mr. Cooper, will join the Hulu library. These shows are more than just beloved hits. They were part of our cultural tradition. Not me, man. I didn't watch these shows. <laughs> What's funny is I remember Heather saying that on Friday she would watch Family Matters and Full House with her parents. We were By too the old. Time, I, yeah, it was going out getting, uh, trying to pick up girls. <laughs> of or, course. These are or, just- <laughs> or, or going to Jason's and playing video games. Yeah. I don't know how many girls we were picking up. <laughs> Shut up. They don't have to know. Of course, these know. are just five of the series that aired as part of the TGIF lineup, which ran from 89 to 2000. Other big shows included Boy Meets World, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Clueless, and Dinosaurs, some of which are already available to stream. No, no. If we're talking... 89 to 2000, I was going out to nightclubs. That's when I first started going. <laughs> if they and- said Growing Pains... Perfect Strangers, would you be excited? My high school years, that's... uh, I probably was more watching TV then. Yeah. All right, Steven. Simpsons creator teams with Netflix for a series about a hard-drinking princess. Ooh! 
Matt Groening is returning to television four years after Futurama came to an end with Netflix's Disenchantment. Disenchantment is a show about life and death, love and sex, and how to keep laughing in a world full of suffering and idiots, despite what the elders and wizards and other jerks tell you, Groening said in a press release. The series will follow a hard-drinking young princess named Bean, her elf friend Elfo, and her own personal demon Lucy. Since Disenchantment is based in a magical realm where anything and everything is possible, expect to see a variety of creatures including ogres, sprites, harpies, imps, trolls, walruses, and lots of human fools. Graining, best known for creating The Simpsons and Futurama, first announced that he was in talks with Netflix on an animated series in 2016. Disenchantment marks the creator's first animated series since wrapping up Futurama in 2013. Graining will reteam with the long time collaborator executive producer josh weinstein on the project netflix has confirmed that disenchantment will run for 10 episodes at a time which seems to imply that the additional seasons have already been ordered polygon has reached out for clarification disenchantment will premiere in 2018 that's pretty cool isn't it Mm -hmm. sounds interesting Okay, finally, Stephen, final story. Cult classic Night Trap makes its return in August. And I posted a thing about a documentary on this on the uh, the old Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, by these guys called My Life in Gaming, their YouTube channel. And they did this cool documentary about the making of the Sega CD game Night Trap. Cult classic Night Trap makes its return in August. I already read that. Here's a trailer. You ready, Steven? Will you be sad playing it? Yeah. <laughs> you remember that? Here's the funny thing. The video is so good now. It was so horrible and pixelated before. Is actually their demo video to to kind of get the game greenlit. Like here, here's what we could do with this technology, and that's playable. It's pretty cool. Night trap. <laughs> It'd be sad seeing Dana Plato. Oh, definitely. She went before her time, Stephen. She was so young. Okay, so Night Trap was a movie we rented from Blockbuster. TV played... show. I mean, uh, a video game. Yes. You uh, said movie. Uh, yeah, interactive movie, I guess. <laughs> it looked like it was done on a TV set, like different strokes. You know, Dana yeah. Plato's in it. But what it was was an interactive horror movie, basically. You played on the Sega CD, and you could move to you could look at different rooms and trigger traps to these things called augers who were after the characters in the game. And you could watch the storyline play out while jumping from room to room and catch them before they got loose. Right. There were specific cut scenes where they would be after the characters and you'd have to trigger it. Otherwise they would get them and the game would end and you'd have to start over. I remember getting really far in the game. I probably had help from a video game magazine, like a, EGM, Electronic Gaming Monthly, and certain discs were bugged where when it would get to the ending part, it wouldn't, it would just skip back. You could never finish the game. 
and it was very annoying. And I never have got to finish Night Trap. So I'm looking forward to buying it on PS4. And finally, Steven, I'm going to wait for you. You and I are going to play this and finish this game. What do you think? Fantastic. And there's another one coming out in December that I told you about that I'm excited about. Ooh, what is it? Road Rash. Oh, yeah, yeah. You did say that. We loved Road Rash. I remember playing it on the 3DO. Your yes. 3DO. Yes. <laughs> that was I awesome. I love that game. That is cool. That is a fun game. They need. I've already pre-ordered mine. Oh, sweet. Is it for the Xbox? Yes. All right, let me read this real quick. Night okay. Trap, the notorious 1990s FMV game, is coming to PlayStation 4 and Steam in August. Publisher Screaming Villains announced that a physical copy of the 25th anniversary re-release hits PS4 first on August 11th, followed by a digital version on both the console and PC on August 15th. The physical PS4 version comes from Limited Run Games with cover art that takes after the original Sega CD release. Both Standard and Collector's Editions are listed as coming soon on the retailer's website. The collector set comes with a cassette tape of the game's theme. Ooh, that dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. <laughs> An Xbox port is in the works but remains undated. All three platforms will have new features like behind-the-scenes documentary, deleted scenes, and a theater mode, along with the same cutscenes that have won over B-movie fans. Yeah, the one of the complaints of the game, and I remember it's kind of, you have to... Th- move around you can't watch people interact like the scenes they're acting in always because you got to keep catching the guys so you can actually do a theater mode where you can watch the whole story play out without having to worry about the thing you know catching i remember there's one part where they're like uh why not be able to play the game and it records it then you can watch it back would you remember what would happen you would have to hear them say change the code to purple change it to red if you didn't hear them say that all of a sudden, you wouldn't be able to trigger any traps, and you were like, oh, what color do I do? Because you have to be in the right room to hear them say, change it to this color. It was very sneaky of them. Uh, one thing that's cool about that documentary is it shows how originally they wanted to use this with VHS technology. And then they determined, they made this in 86. And... They uh, almost before DVDs really kind of started. They made Sewer Shark and Night Trap, and then they showed it to I. You know, in the documentary, it goes into it, and they were like, "This is going to be too expensive. Shelve this." And didn't think anything else of it. Oh man, we lost it. We're not going to be able to do this. It's too expensive. Then when the Sega CD came around, they're like, "Hey, CD-ROM. Maybe let's pitch this that's been sitting on our shelf for Sega." And they picked it up, and they showed how the quality was so degraded on Sega CD. It was all pixely and shit. And uh, then the 3DO came out. It was a little bit better on there. And then the 32X, you know, was even better looking, but still looked like crap. So this is the first time you can watch it where it looks pretty good. But I'm excited about it, because I remember you and I drinking some beer, just playing it. And there was something... The FMV games are cheesy, but something about it being new technology then, there was something special about it. You know what I mean? It was neat. It was kind of exciting. The game sucked. You thought you were cutting it. Yeah, remember playing Sewer Shark? That came with a Sega CD, so I played it all the time, trying to get to the end. And uh, I remember it fondly, but the game is basically moving a cursor around, shooting things over video. It's really shitty. Yeah. But there's something fun about it. It's, it's There's a novelty to it. So I can't wait to play this. 
All right, Stephen, that was all of our news stories this week. Uh, what do you say we do some Rotten Tomatoes and then get the hell out of here? Hell yeah. Did I say that right? Is it time to read Rotten Tomatoes? No. What is it time for, Stephen? It's Rotten Tomato time. <laughs> you say either. I say either. You say neither. And I say neither. Either, either, and either, neither. And let's call the whole thing off. Yes, you like potato. And I like potato. You like tomato. I like tomato. Potato, potato. Tomato, tomato, let's call the whole thing off. I like spelled tomato juice. Oh dear. Now, Stephen, I know Atomic Blonde came out today, but it's not the only film to come out. A computer animated kids movie came out called The Emoji Movie. It is currently 6% rotten. 35 reviews counted, 2 fresh, 33 rotten. Yeesh. Doesn't sound too good, does it? All right, Stephen, let's... I wasn't excited over it. (laughs) Bilge Ibiri of Village Voice said, This film is boldly bad, yes, but also boldly boring. Darren Franich of Entertainment Weekly says, There's a justifiable self-loathing running through the Emoji movie, a fragile attempt to deconstruct the meaning of emojis while also demonstrating the profound possibility that emojis are the language of the future f yikes tomris laughley of timeout says disregard that pg rating and keep your children far away from director tony leondis's vile animated faux comedy beneath its trippy surfaces Lurks an insidious philosophy hazardous to impressionable young minds. Wow! Well, one out of five. So this movie is dangerous, Stephen. I think we need to see it now. (laughs) Peter Sobzinski of RogerEber.com says, A demonstration of artistic abdication at its most venal. But will the kids like it? A point five out of four. Wow. <laughs> wow. Johnny. That's, that's that's, I mean, that's point <laughs> five is almost worse than a zero. Johnny Oleksinski of the New York Post says, hear that? It's the end of the world. A zero out of four. Oh, my God. Point five. He had to think about hating it. Yeah. Zero, you don't think is like, that just sucks. Yeah. Point five says, I hated it. Yes. Katie Walsh of the LA Times says, there could be far worse ways to spend 86 minutes, but maybe, just maybe, it'd be the better choice to spend those 86 minutes outside or reading a book or talking face-to-face with another human being because the Emoji Movie could not be more meh. Okay. Let's read one of the two fresh fresh reviews. Juanma Fernandez Paris of El Nueva Dia says, The small-scale achievements in this film are a model worthy of admiration in terms of the balance that can be achieved between creativity and commercialization and a production that seeks to generate family entertainment. Um, This was lost in the translation, I'm thinking. What do you think? A fresh review should have been just all emojis. <laughs> Betsy Bosdeck of Common Sense Media says, Positive messages, but colorful adventure is only meh. Three out of five. 
Oh, what? Mez a character. Oh, okay. She gave it a three out of five, though. I don't understand. The main, the main emoji character, the one you see in the commercial with the swooped hair, that's the it, meh yeah. character. Sandy Schaefer, the emoji movie, squanders the talents of its capable voice cast on an animated film that is as cynical in its outlook as it was in its conception. I give it a 1.5 out of 5. Brian Orndorff, love that guy's name, of Blu-ray.com says... A soulless endeavor and a painful viewing experience. Your kids deserve better. A oh, D minus. Wow. I'm thinking this movie sucks, Steven. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure. I mean, when you first heard there was being there was an emoji movie being made where you're like, no thank you. Good God. Why? Now, Atomic Blonde. 124 reviews counted. 92 fresh, 32 rotten. 74% fresh. Uh, we know why we're going to see this movie, don't we? To yeah. see her kick ass, yeah. beat the shit out of people, right? It's the co-director of John Wick. We know what we're getting into. David Edelstein of New York Magazine says, You don't go to operas for dancing or ballets for singing, and you don't see Atomic Bond for anything but a badass female protagonist crunching bones and pulping faces and gratifyingly long takes over remarkable simulations thereof. Yeah, he pretty much said it. Matthew Lacona of the San Diego Reader says, perhaps it's not surprising that Leech winds up with something that feels like a tough-minded drama rejiggered into a hard-bodied action adventure. But it is a bit disappointing. Still, there are consolations. A two out of five. That's fresh. I don't know. That should be rotten, shouldn't it? I would think so. Barry Hertz of Globe and Mail says Atomic Blonde is bold, brazen, and frequently bonkers. But you know what? It's also killer. 3.5 out of 4. All right. Adam Graham of Detroit News says the way it detonates off screen makes the film live up to its name. It's atomic and it's a blast. I give it a B minus. Mm. Sarah Stewart of New York Post says, Theron makes one hell of a super spy, and it's time she got her John Wick moment. <laughs> Three out of four. All right, Maura McDonald of Seattle Times, Stephen. She says, Well, it's still an enjoyable novelty to spend time during an action movie wondering where I could buy the hero's boots. It's no substitute for a good story. Wow. Cranky. Catherine Monk of Express.com says, Theron nails the tone with her RuPaul walk, her inner allegiance to Bowie, and an Annie Lennox androgyny that defines sexual power in that moment. It almost feels strangely dated, which is another reason why it's worth forgiving the film's many flaws. Three out of five. Wow, okay. Robert Levin of AM New York says... From the endless, endlessly obvious music cues to the painstakingly rendered neon settings and punk rock accoutrements decorating the communist underground, this is a movie about nothing beyond that setting. Two out of four. Wow. Screw you, buddy. Right, Steven? Two out of four is average. It's not bad. 
It's not good. It's not bad. It's average. Ah. That's not a bad reading, in my opinion. Jeffrey M. Anderson says, Theron fights, punches, kicks, and shoots her way through this beautifully choreographed, narratively complex, but slightly sluggish action movie. Three out of five. So, So, okay. So why doesn't Rotten Tomatoes say, okay, here's our rating system. Five stars. It has to fit into our rating system. Yeah. You can't do... Four stars. You can't. We know the way they rate things. Things are lost in the translation, right? Because I mean, you just saw that with the what do you call it? It was one, you know, two two stars out of five, and it was a fresh rating. It's like, yeah, how? I know. Um, There's a movie coming out right now. It's not anywhere near us, but it will be sometime in August. It's called Brigsby Bear, and I watched the trailer to this. It looks really interesting. And I don't want to know too much about it because I hear there's things that you find out in the story. So I don't want anything to be spoiled. But it stars Kyle Mooney from Saturday Night Live. He does these funny videos. It also has Claire Danes, Mark Hamill, Greg Kinnear. So I'm very interested in it. And right now it's got an 86% fresh. Um, Looks really cool and imaginative. Mooney is the main reason to see Brigsby Bear, the sort of indie dramedy that wears its on-the-spectrum quirk on its sleeve. David Fear, Rolling Stone. I don't want to read any more for fear of finding anything else out, <laughs> but I want Stephen Weenie to go see this when it comes to town. We might have to drive to Dallas or something, but I've got to see it. Now, Stephen, um, next... Is that next week? Next Friday? Yes. Next Friday, The Dark Tower comes out. Okay, let me tell you this. A week ago, we already knew the reviews for Atomic Blonde. The week before that, we already knew reviews for Dunkirk. The week before that, we already knew the reviews for Spider-Man Homecoming. People had seen it all a week earlier. Right. Nobody has seen The Dark Tower. It comes out next Friday. Uh Uh-huh. Bad sign, I think. Well, what if this isn't available for reviews? That means the yeah. studio doesn't want a bad word of mouth going into Friday. Right. They would have screened it to people already, don't you think? Yes. They still have up until Wednesday to screen it for somebody. Uh, I'm worried. I really am. Well, we've seen this trailer so many times. The same trailer. Mm-hmm. How many trailers... Have it. One trailer, the teaser comes out, then trailer number two, sometimes trailer number three. The Dark Tower has that one trailer, nothing new. They put out this this kind of uh here, spot all the Easter eggs in the movie you haven't seen yet. Like you can watch the video and it'll tell you all the Easter eggs in the movie. Why would you do that? Right. Why? Yeah, I saw you post that. I didn't look at it. I don't care. I was care. like, I would rather spot them myself. But here it is a week before the movie comes out. You're already telling us what all the Easter eggs are. It's like they're... So somebody has seen it to be able to do these <laughs> Easter eggs. But I mean, I, that's not the way they're marking the film is strange. Then there was this computer animated thing. Did you see that? No. It's they're trying to tie in all the other Stephen King. Oh yeah, um, it's like this computer animated. Yes, yeah. They're Easter. saying how they're all tied together. Did you watch that? I watched 
Most of it, I think. It's like a computer animated thing. I can't seem to find it on YouTube. I think I saw it on Facebook is what it was on. Yeah, because I think uh, the little video looks like it has The Shining right at the beginning. Yeah, okay. It's this thrown together computer animated thing. Right. Why can't I find this thing now that I want to see it? (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) um. I think it's weird we haven't seen more about the movie. We, they did this little well, kind you got of... the people who were going... They're, they're complaining about Roland. And then there's the other ones who will say, Well, uh, I saw somebody post... Well, reading the Tower books, I always thought he was black. I'm like, you didn't read the book. <laughs> well, yeah. That's, that's one thing. We know Idris Elba is a great actor. Okay? We know that much. It's fine. Um, I'm way past Idris Elba's uh, casting. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Way past it. Doesn't bother me anymore. You know, then the news came out. It's only 95 minutes long. I don't know what that means. It doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing, does it? It's not. It doesn't mean that the movie's bad. But anyway, they did two different things. One, Idris Elba kind of introduces a video about the the Easter eggs, and one was like a computer animated that- thing. Read the books. They're always there. If you don't like the oh, movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. If, okay, say we see the movie and we're disappointed. We know the or, books or still you, exist. Or and you say, that's not the Dark Tower, but... What do, what do we want to happen? We want the movie to be good where it sets up the rest of the story. Like, oh, they could do another Dark Tower 2 or the continuation. Well, like I said, they're supposed to make another movie and a couple of TV shows. They're supposed to do a TV series of Wizard and Glass, the young, early Roland years. Which I I think is interesting, but also, I'm not sure makes any sense. Are people going to want to watch the adventures of Roland in this movie as an adult, then all of a sudden watch a TV series where he's a little kid? You set that up. In the books, you have book one, two, and three of their journey. And then four is he's like, let me tell you a story about how this all began. Then it's really interesting. Not like right after the first bit. It's too soon, it seems like to me. But I don't know. We'll see what they're doing. I know that their idea is to set up more movies in a TV series or whatever. I have no idea if that's going to happen. From what I've seen of the movie, I, I'm i just worried. It looks good. Possibly. Film-wise, film the way it's filmed. I don't know the story, obviously. I mean, I know the story, but I mean, I don't know what they've done with the story. There's things I was overly critical when I first saw the trailer that I realized that I was just watching it. Like, I was like, why does he have all those bullets on his gun belt? Like the little old cylinders or whatever, the speed loaders. Maybe a part of the movie he loads up with a bunch of ammo and stuff because he's got to face something. And I realized, okay, that's okay. Because before the third act, he's got to load up on bullets. And, and the way the tower is attacked in the books is different than, you know, he's actually attacking the tower. Right. He, in in the books, he's attacking the well, also, symbols that send the beams. The stuff with the breakers and all that. I haven't even seen uh, read that part in the books, but they have that in the first movie. Isn't that a little soon, Stephen? Yes. <laughs> so anyway, there's that. We'll we'll find out next week, Stephen. We're gonna go see it, and I hope when we get back, we just turn on the mic. Okay, guys, here's uh, what we thought. 
Let's shoot, talk about it. Shoot me now, Roland. <laughs> shoot me now. <laughs> well, guys, that was our episode of Entertainment Landfill News. We hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening to us drone on and on about movies and stuff like that and all these silly stories. Or TV shows or video games. Yeah. So we'll be right back after this. Thank you. Good night. Here all week, try the veal. And See, I told you we'd be right back. Hey, Steven. Hey. hey. <laughs> Here we are. I thought Guys. we were done. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. ETL News, episode 42. We all know 42 is what, Steven? Meaning of life? It's the answer to everything. That's right. This episode was the answer to everything. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. If you want, visit etlandfill.com. There you can find all of our previous episodes of the show. Also, be sure and join our ETL fan club on Facebook. There's a link right there on the right. Or you can check out our archive. Also, if you consider becoming a patron, supporting the show, go to patreon.com slash landfill. I can't wait to uh, see Atomic Blonde and tell you guys about that next week. Can't wait to see The Dark Tower and see what we how we feel about that. I can't believe it's, it's here. Time. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited. I'm, I think I'm more excited for it than the Dark Tower. Yeah, I, I was, don't know. I was thinking I'm more excited for Brigsby Bear than the Dark Tower. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said, I, you know, I think we've already discussed this too. We're it's, it's, we bring so much baggage to this movie. Yeah. I've got like carry-on bags. I got a makeup bag. I don't even wear makeup. I've got things slung over my shoulder. You- I'm holding baby in a carry-on. I'm trying to get on the Dark Tower plane. I've just got so much baggage. Yeah, they're going to have me check they're some things in. They're going to check some stuff. Yeah, but uh, I'm excited and trepidatious, if that's a word. I don't know if that's a word, is it? Okay, well, Stephen, thank you for being here. Also, uh, my wife, Heather, thank you for supporting the show all these years and uh, encouraging me to record my voice and put it on a cassette and throw it out the window. Thank you so much. Somebody will find that cassette and listen one day. <laughs> Somebody's going to listen to this, Stephen, somewhere. Thank you guys so much. Well, what are you guys waiting for? Get out there, watch some movies. We've seen so many lately. We're such show-offs, Stephen. Go watch some Dunkirk. Go to a concert like me. <laughs> the dishes are done, Kirk. Go out and see some uh, Valerian. They need your money. It's flopping ba- badly, it. and it's a good, fun movie for the whole family. Take all the kids. I mean, you may not be able to see it in a big theater, but still, it doesn't deserve its fate, I think. It's a fun movie. Heather, you liked Valerian, didn't you? Yep, Heather liked it. She gives her endorsement. So, guys, what are you waiting for? Get out there, go see Valerian, and we'll see you next time. Woo-hoo-hoo! All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to this here podcast. We'll see you next week, possibly with some more film, television, and pop culture type stuff. Y'all come back now. You here? This is podcasting.
Sorry, excuse me, everyone. 